0: Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.
1: And so this is Noah and Kennedy, and they're some of our missionaries that you support. And it's one of the fun things that we get to do. You know, in Romans it says, well, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on whom they have not heard? And how will they hear unless somebody tells them? And who will tell them unless they're sent? Well, this is some of the people that are telling them, and you're some of the people that are sending them. So give them a hand here real quick. We're so glad to hear it. Thank you. So guys,
0: take it away. Let us know what's been going on. All right. So well, yeah, once again, my name is Noah.
2: And I'm Kennedy, and we serve in Thailand, rural Thailand.
0: Yep. All right, so we can go to the next slide. So just to give you a brief update about Thailand, there's 67, 68 million people within the country. It's considered an unreached country. Uh, Less than 1% of people know Jesus and that also makes the ethnic Thai people group an unreached people group. So in terms of English proficiency, um, Thailand is ranked 100 out of 112 countries measured and they're considered to be very low. So with that being said, there is a deeply ingrained need for um, English teachers. We can go to the next slide. Uh, the country of Thailand needs more high quality English teachers. At this point, they're basically taking anyone and everyone. And both of our degrees are in English and teaching English, respectively. Next slide. So there's almost 32,000 state-run schools in Thailand between 10 and 13 million image bearers that go to these schools, it's 15, 20% of the population, and we strongly assert every single one of those image bearers needs a good English education and good English teachers. Why? Higher English proficiency means less need for under the table income, and Thailand is also known as the human trafficking uh, center of the world. So we have a defined role in our small rural community, We're English teachers, that's what people know us as, that when we're on the streets at the market, they see us and they know we teach their kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews. We play a part in the community, we're naturally embedded by being English teachers in the public school. Um, So with traditional Christian workers, this can be an uphill battle, right? You move to a place and then you're faced with the task of making and building connections. However, with us coming as English teachers, we kind of run into a different problem, being that we have too many connections, Nick said. Um, More connections than we know what to do with, honestly, between the thousands of kids that come to our school every day, um, the staff, parents, and um, just everyone else in the community.
2: So in Thailand, due to the fact that we do, we are embedded and we do have this awesome opportunity to teach English, this is one of the things that our boss, Wee Chai, says. In Thai schools, it's different. We don't just teach information. We teach students how to live a good life. And in Thailand, there's no separation between church and state. So we can go into the schools and just be our authentic Christian selves, and that's totally welcome which is amazing. And so these are, um, so what happens when we're embedded into the community? We don't need to manufacture or twist these relationships, these spiritual conversations. Our school asks us to do it, which is such a huge blessing. And these are just a few of the sweet faces that we get to spend 45, 50 hours a week with. You can go to the next slide. We get to participate in English camps and graduation ceremonies. And this was even a picture of our seniors graduating this year. That we got to participate in. So I, you can go to the next slide. Um, I'm going to share about one specific student. His name is Titan. And during the Christmas season, we get to share the gospel with all of our students. We have about 1,200. And Titan specifically, our school had asked us to do something that was about Christianity and about the Christmas story. And our student, Titan, he's a senior this year, we both teach him, raised his hand and said, Teacher Kennedy, I would love to read out of the English Storybook Bible. And my eyes got so wide and so excited. And I said, of course, of course. Um, So we would love to have it in English and in Thai so all of your friends can hear, even if they don't fully understand English. And he was so excited and his eyes got so bright. Um, And it was wonderful because our students got to hear the gospel from Thai people, not Western foreigners going up and trying to explain the story, but by their peers. So you can go to the next slide. Um, and then a month later, Noah got this at his midterm, and I'm going to read it for you. I want to change my religion. I don't want to believe in Buddha anymore, but my family doesn't, sorry, my family doesn't care about... Yes, sorry, I can't read it very well, Um, but I don't care. I believe that Christ has more reason to believe. So how can I change my religion to Christ? Can you help me? What have I to do? And this is just the beginning of his faith story, Um, him coming to know Jesus. There's so much more to share about this. So many wonderful other things that have happened that we'd love to share with you after service or if you wanna meet um, individually. But we're gonna end with a quick video of just some of the things that God has been doing through you guys as well as through us.
0: What does it mean to be fruitful? Is it divisive and dissonant, or unilateral and universal? Is it fanatical and frantic, or an adventure for the adolescent? Is it poignant and pain-filled, sacrifice and strategies? Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Fruitfulness doesn't come from what, but from who.
2: So we just want to once again thank you guys again so much. We wouldn't be able to be in Thailand with all of these people without your support. So please scan our QR code. We'd love to talk to each and every one of you individually more, or you can email us or message us. We'll be here till about August.
1: Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mala, will you take that? Thank you. You know, I love seeing missionaries doing and just sharing the word. You know, when I when I grew up, my parents were missionaries. In fact, the first three years of my life we lived in Mexico. And then we actually ended up moving back up here As, as a kid. My older brother, he's three years older than me, he loved missions. Um, wanted want to go overseas when he was 12 years old uh, he convinced my parents to put him on a plane and send him to Mexico and and so they did that's just my parents i got all kinds of stories but they put him on a plane sent him to Mexico and they said somebody will pick you up at the airport and they did and he made it back but he went down there and that's just what he did every single summer is he would go to Mexico and he went to uh, just just different countries that's that's what he would do over the summer so when i turned 15 um, there was an organization at the, at, the, at the time that would take teenagers on missions trips all around the world. I was like, oh, I'm going to go on a missions trip because now, now, now I can finally go. So remember, I went on a missions trip and I, um, I raised $2,376. I still remember the amount that I needed to raise to go. And I went to Venezuela for a month to go down there with a bunch of teenagers. And we did uh, street skits and then we would do evangelism through interpreters afterwards, but we do these funny skits and skits with a message and, and, and people would hear them and come and then we'd get to go. And, and we saw some awesome, awesome stuff happening. One thing in particular I remember is somebody came up and they couldn't see in one eye. And, and it wasn't just that they couldn't see, but the eye was all milky white, except it had a red line through it. And it was just, I remember just being like, ooh. And, and he, he asked for prayer. I remember I got to pray for him and I laid my hands on him. And when I took my hand off, he, he could see. And I was like, holy cow. I was like, this is awesome. And we, we had just an amazing time. And at the end of the, of the missions trip, everybody was talking about what was going to happen next. They're like, next year, we're going to come back. And we're going to go here. And, and one of the leaders came up to me and he said, hey, like this whole group of us, we're going to go to Bolivia next year and we're going to do the two-month trip. You should come with us. And I remember I looked over at him and I go, oh, no. No, I'm not, I'm not going. And he goes, oh, where, where, where are you going? And I go, oh, I'm not coming back next year. <laughs> and he goes, what's wrong? You're not coming back? And I said, oh, definitely not. I said, this has been great. I said, but I'm here, I said, and I missed our kids camp at my church back home. I said, normally I go and I serve there for about three weeks. I said, and I'm missing it. I said, I love what's going on here. I said, but this isn't where I'm supposed to be. My heart was just like, this isn't it? My heart was for the local church. I was like, that's what I need. And so we're all a part of the body, and not every one of you get to or would even want to move away or go be a missionary somewhere, but we all have our part to play. And so you might be like, I don't want to go. You're like, missions for me is like a motel. Like, that's just as bad as it gets for me. Or maybe you're like, no, I'm, I'm all for it. Mud hut, here I come, whatever it may be. But we all have a part to play in the kingdom. And so we get to send. That's one of the things that I love about Life West and how generous each and every one of you are, is we get to give. So we budget our missions And we say, okay, we're going to give and we're going to sow out 10% of everything that comes in. And so we budget that. And the joy is every time that it goes over that, our missions board has to get back together and be like, all right, we got some more money to give. Where do they have? And they got to come up with where else we get to give and, and find needs and send out even more. So I just want to say a huge thank you to each and every one of you because you are a part. And again, as it says in Romans, how will they hear? unless they're told. How will they be told unless somebody tells them, and who will tell them unless they're sent? And one of the ways we do that is through our finances. So thank you so very much. Let's give them a hand and give yourselves a hand one more time. We absolutely, absolutely love getting to do that. We love getting to do that. And that's one of the things that that we are. So Life West, what do we do? What are we going to do as a church? We want to equip you to be and do all that God's called you to do, whatever that might be, no matter how old you are. If you're like, hey, I want to do missions, let's connect you with some missions. I want to send, let's get you sending. You're like, well, I want to do, we don't know what it is, but let's help you understand what that is. And that's one of the reasons that we do growth track every single month. You just see it happen in and out. It's a class that happens every single month that starts the first Sunday of the month. And during worship, during that second song, You'll hear Xavier or somebody on the team be like, growth track is dismissed. And maybe you've been like, what is that? Well, that's something for you. That's something for anybody. It's a class that just goes for four weeks, help you to know God, because the number one need that everybody has is God, but then you're not waiting to die. God wants to use you to make a difference. And he's given each and every one of us specific gifts and talents that we get to use, that we're meant to use, not just for fun, but to build the kingdom of God. And it's fun to do the things you're good at. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But when you take those same gifts and you use them to build the kingdom of God, there is a joy that comes from that that you just can't even talk about. You can't describe. It's 10 times better. It's 10 times better. And we want every single one of you to know what those gifts are and how to use those to build the kingdom of God, to make an eternal differences, make make an eternal impact. Businesses that we create Either we, what are we going to do? We sell them when we're done and get some money? All of it. What can we do to make an eternal impact? It's impact somebody's life. It's impact somebody's life. Well, that class goes on. We'd love to see you be a part of it. You can jump in anytime. Again, it's four weeks. So try to plan, yeah, it works best if you go one, two, three, four, but you're like, my schedule's crazy, and we only hear this, just, just jump in a week and then get through it, and if you missed one because something jumped up last minute, don't feel bad, just catch that same week the next month. But with that, welcome to Life West Church. Small groups, I just have to say, um, small groups are going, and if you have not yet, gotten on there, or you're thinking about launching a group, just, just hosting one, do it. And if that sounds intimidating, I just want to say this. Here's what a small group is. It's taking the thing you love and leveraging it for the kingdom of God. You don't have to add something new to your plate. Um, Beck and I, one of the things that we love to do is we love to mountain bike. Like we, 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 we bike. It's, it's just fun. So we have a biking small group. So we get together on Tuesdays, and we bike. And anybody's welcome. If you don't know how to bike, just bring a bike and, like, get on there. And if you fall, we'll point and laugh. Just be okay with that, okay? Because it's kind of funny. And <laughs> Becca goes, Chet, because he, he fell, and we pointed and laughed. But anyways, um, I'm serious. We will, because it's kind of funny. If you don't think I will, if Brian's anywhere around, oh, it'll, it'll happen. But we get together. We have fun, we laugh, we pray, we build relationship. And, and so for you, maybe it's getting coffee or you love gardening. And just look at how you can leverage that for the kingdom of God. Or maybe you're like, you know what, I'd like to do a Bible study on Ephesians and I've got some great stuff and, and, and I'd like to get together and do that. Or maybe you would say, I'd like to get together and pray with some people. It could be any of those. It doesn't have to be something that's ultra-spiritual It may be something that would be considered ultra-spiritual, but it's you leveraging the times, the gift, and the talents that you have to build the kingdom of God and build relationships because it's amazing what happens as a result. So many of the great things have happened, not because I've planned them and outreach and opportunities to speak into somebody's life, but just because we were spending time together. Uh, I install carpet. And for, for years, that's what I did in high school and college, and one time, I needed someone to help me. It was a particular big job, and so I, there was a, a youth. I was doing high school at the time. There was a youth that uh, needed some money. I was like, just, just come and help. And he's like, okay. I'm like, I'll pay you. So he comes, and he's helping me, and we stop, we break for lunch, and then after lunch, we go to get back to work, and he's like, oh, I can't. And I go, what do you mean you can He goes, I don't feel good. Like, like, I really don't feel good. And he grabs his stomach, and I'm like, that's a lame excuse. Come here. I'm like, I'm paying you, buddy. you got to get to work. And so he comes over, and I'm like, I'll pray for you. And he's like, really? I go, yes. Now come here. And so he comes. I lay hands on him, and I, and, and I say amen. And when I do, his eyes get huge. And he goes, it's gone. I go, that's right, that's what God does. Now get back to work. (laughs) And and, and so he's like, oh my goodness. So he goes back and he gets back to work and he was cleaning and vacuuming. And then on the ride home, he's like, what was that? And so we got to talk and I got to speak into his life and I'd been his youth pastor, but I got to speak into his life in a whole nother way because we were just spending time together. We were just installing some carpet in a house. But there was a divine, those things, I call them like a divine appointment that just kind of showed up right in the middle of it where God got to show off. And then all of a sudden, he's like, tell me a little more about this. And it opened the door for me to speak into his life in a way that I hadn't before, even though he'd been in my youth group for years, honestly. And so the I can never, I say all of that, to never underestimate the power of relationship and opportunities that come from just spending time together. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That when we're just spending time with other believers and people who are excited about growing and building the kingdom of God and and growing spiritually, we get together and it's the unintended ways that they sharpen us and make us better. So I encourage you with that, get in a small group. Host a small group. Pray about it. Every single one of you, when you go home today, pray and say, God, should I host? Should I join? What do you have for me? Just ask him. Ask him because he's going to lead you and he's going to guide you. All right. Well, I do have some notes that we're going to be looking at this morning because I had a message planned and we're in this series and the series is called Truth Be Told. And we're looking at the Bible and really just kind of what it has to say, and we spent some weeks looking at what history and science have to say about the Bible. You know, history just kind of is catching up with the Bible and just proves it over and over, like if it confirms exactly that. And, and science, same thing, stuff in the Bible. Like, Well, the Bible said that a long time ago. Glad you guys finally figured that out. And this week, the one I want to go to is what we're going to talk about is prophecy in the Bible. Now, my goal for this, this entire series is this, is that your your love for God's Word and hunger for God's Word would grow as a result, as you see what it has to say and how it applies to your life. Now, prophecy specifically, when I talk about Bible prophecy, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about divinely inspired insight into the future, something that hasn't happened yet. Much of the Bible... Over 20%, somewhere around 20, 25% of the Bible, when it was written, was prophetic. Not pathetic, but prophetic, meaning it spoke about a future, details about the future that had not happened yet. Now, prophecy can be simple, and it can be very complex. Like, if I say someone's going to walk through that door in the next 30 seconds, you're like, well, there's a pretty good chance. That someone's going to walk through the door, and you didn't even say which direction they're going to go. I mean, you could go do it, right? But if I get the, the more specific I become, like, OK, someone's going to walk in the door. It's going to be a man. They're going to be bald. wearing a purple shirt with pink flamingos. OK, all of a sudden, did that change anything? Absolutely. you're like, now for that to happen, he probably planned it. He got Jason. Well, Jason wouldn't do it, just so you know. He's like, I don't do it. I'm like, come on. But anyways, (laughs) the more specific it gets, the harder it is for it to come true. Well, so much of the Bible is prophecy. And some of that I want to talk about is we're going to look at some of the prophecies that have happened. Because here's what that does, is it shows us that the Bible is not just words, but it proves the divine inspiration of Scripture. That for someone to know these specifics hundreds of years before it happened means it had to get that information from somebody who exists outside of time, which is God. How could they know this hundreds of years before? So I'm going to start with Ezekiel. Ezekiel is written somewhere around 580 BC. Ezekiel 36, 19 says this, So I scattered them among the nations... And they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to the ways of their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, they are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. Ezekiel talking about and prophesying to the nation of Israel said this, you're going to be kicked out of your land. And they're going to look, and the peoples around are going to be like, look, look. You're not in the land you're supposed to be in. So this was written 580 B.C. In 70 A.D., the Romans went in, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and the Israelites dispersed. The nation of Israel stopped being a nation. It was gone, exactly as Ezekiel had prophesied. But he prophesied some more, too. Thirty-six, twenty-four. he says, For I will take you from among those nations, gather you out of those countries, and bring you back into your own land. Now, for a nation to cease to exist and then come back doesn't happen often. But for a nation to cease to exist for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and then come back, well, that just doesn't happen. That, that just doesn't happen. But it did. Because Israel ceased to be a nation until May 14, 1948. And there was all kinds of conflict beforehand, don't get me wrong. There, was, there were Israelites in the area, and there were Jews in the area, and there was conflict going on. But in 19, May 14, 1948, Israel was declared an independent nation again, and that very same day, President Truman acknowledged Israel as a nation. Here's a little picture of the prime minister of Israel and President Truman, and then I believe the third one was a liaison of some kind. But this nation started, and it wasn't just like, okay, they're here, great. The five, the very day that they declared themselves free and a nation, that same day, five armies from the surrounding countries came and attacked and are like, We're going to wipe, yeah, you're a nation? Fine. You don't have anybody backing you up? Great. We're going to destroy you and wipe you off the face of the earth. But God said, I'm going to draw them back in and I'm going to give them a place. I'm going to bring them back in. So, five. Countries and their armies come and attack. It's called the War for Independence. It did not, it was not short. It kept going. When the war ended in 1949, Israel won. Israel was still there, you know that. But not only that, but the original boundaries that were given to Israel when they started, May 14, grew by 37% because they had not only held their ground, but they'd gained more. God's like, I'm going to bring them back. They're going to get a land. Watch what I'm going to do. And one of the key things that had to happen for so many Bible prophecies to be true and to come true was Israel again had to be a nation, and it couldn't just be a nation anywhere. It had to be in the land that God had given and promised their ancestor Abraham Before, he's like, no, this is where you're going to be. It had to happen, and it happened in May of 1948. God's like, it's going to happen. It will happen. Much of end-time prophecy is built around Israel and what's going to happen there. God told Abraham, I will give you this land to you and your descendants forever. How long is forever? Forever. It's like... What part of no do you not understand? It's like mm, mm, the the, O. No, forever, it's all of it. And God's like, I'm going to give this land to Abraham, his descendants, forever. In fact, in Joel talking about what's going to happen in the last days. Joel chapter 3, verse 1, For behold, in those days and at that time, I will bring back the captives of Judea to Jerusalem. I will also gather together nations, and I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and also for dividing up my land. He's like, look, End times, he says, you want to know what I'm, one of the things I'm going to be upset about? It's dividing the land. That's one of the reasons why we as believers, I look at the Bible and I say, okay, I'm going to stand with Israel. God gave them that land. So I'm going to pray for Israel. I'm going to stand with Israel. I'm going to support Israel. And I'm going to vote pro Israel because I'm a believer. And God says, if you bless them, you will be blessed. If you curse them, you will be cursed. He says, one of the things I'm going to do when I return is judge people for dividing the land. So I stand with Israel as a believer because I believe what God's word says. And I vote not what I would like to, but as a believer, I'm like, okay, I join a kingdom. I'm part of God's kingdom. He's the Lord of my life, not just fire insurance because I don't want to go to hell. He's the Lord of my life. I submit to Him in everything. So I stand with Israel as a believer. Now, as we look at prophecy in through the Bible, there's a bunch of prophecies. You now, when we read the Bible, we kind of, we read it and we see it and we're like, this all happened in the past. But so much of our Bible was written before Jesus, the Old Testament specifically pointing to Jesus. There's there's some 40 specific prophecies about Jesus being born, about where he would be born, about when he would die, the way he would die. And I just want to read a few of them. Zechariah written 500 plus B.C., so written over 500 years before Jesus ever even walked, said this. It says, "'And I said to them, if you like, give me my wages, whatever I am worth, but only what you want to. So they counted for me 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, throw it into the potter's field, this magnificent sum at which you valued me.'" Now some of you recognize some numbers and names in there because as we look at what happened to Jesus in Matthew 26:14, we see that one of his disciples, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, did this. Then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief's priest, this is Matthew 26:14, now 15, and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver, prophesied 500 years before exactly how much it would be. And then later, when Judas sees that they didn't just capture Jesus, but that he was crucified and he's feeling remorse, he brings the coins back to the same people that paid him. Matthew 27, verse 6, But the chief priest said, We won't take the coins, so he throws them on the ground and leaves. And the chief's priest picked up the coins and said, It's against the law for us to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. But what in the world were they paying it for in the first place? But anyways, so they said this. They used the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. What did we read in Zechariah? What did they say? And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potters. Over 500 years before. We see over and over and over in Scripture. Psalms 69, 21, talking about what would happen when Jesus would die, written Two, three hundred years before Jesus ever showed up, says, They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Matthew 27, describing how Jesus would die, they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. Verse 48 immediately one of them ran, got a sponge, and filled it with vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. So specific. They're like, it'll be, it'll be gall, it'll be vinegar. It was so specific. There are over 40 super specific prophecies. Now, again, when you and I read the Bible, it's like this all happened a long time ago. But these prophecies were written hundreds of years before Jesus ever even showed up. And Jesus fulfilled over 40 specific prophecies around when he would be born, the way, where, and then around his death right down to the fact they said not one of his bones would be broken, that his side would be pierced. It was all prophesied way before. The fact that they would cast lots for his clothing was all prophesied before. The mathematician sat down and said, for Jesus to have fulfilled these, for any one person to have fulfilled these prophecies, things that were outside of his control, they're like the odds of one person being able to fulfill these, what are they? And he gave an example. He said, this is the odds of one person fulfilling the prophecies that Jesus did just about his death, burial, and resurrection and and birth. They said, how do I make it clear? He said, this is what you do. Take a hundred trillion silver dollars. If you want to know how much that is, take the entire state of Texas. It would fill Texas five feet deep. Then mark one of them. Throw it in Texas, blindfold somebody, and tell them they get one chance to find it. (laughs) Ain't happening. Yet Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. Right down to a T. And please don't just take my word for it. Please dive in, find some of your own studies and look up some of this stuff for yourselves. And you're like, well, it's all the Bible, and you know they, they wrote it so long ago and couldn't they have gone back and, and just just kind of filled in some gaps and was, how do we know when some of this stuff was written? And Well, it's, it's kind of strange, but there were some goat herders in 1947 near the Dead Sea and they happened to find some clay pots in a cave. They had no idea what it was, but we know today that what they found were the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was pieces, it's actually some of the earliest manuscripts of the Bible. And they look and they're like, "Yep, the dates were right. Ezekiel and Psalms and so many of them were found in there that all predate when Jesus would would ever be here. And it proves that it wasn't just kind of put together later but that hundreds of years before that men under inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote down what would happen prophecy of what would happen hundreds of years later of how Jesus would come. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. They wrote out the specifics of how and where and what it would happen, and Jesus came and he fulfilled that. I love Jesus not just because, I follow him not just because of what the Bible says, but because of what he's done in my life. But we don't have to have blind, we don't just close our eyes and assume things just because we're Christians. We're not afraid of questions. It's fun to see. It's fun to look into God's Word. It's why God's Word is a lamp to our feet, and we say this all the time. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It tells us the way to go, and we're saying, okay, God, will we'll, I'll do that. I'll go where you tell me to go. I can do what your Word says I can do, and I can have what your Word says I can have. I believe it's true. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest, and that's what it's meant to be for you and for me. So we are out of time, but before we leave, I want to make sure that every single one of you in here that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we're here this morning, I hope you leave with just a hunger for God's word and a deeper love for it as well. I hope you don't just take my word, that you dive in and you do your own studies and you, you see some of this stuff for yourself. And that you're... Foundation is strengthened as you stand on God's Word, as you come against things in life and people who are coming against it and trying to tear it down, but that you know for yourself that, nope, this is true. But the number one way I know that God's Word is true is what He's done in my life. And if you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, He wants to come in and make you new. The Bible says there's a peace that passes all understanding that comes only through the knowledge of God. If you want to be forgiven, set free, Jesus came and he made a way where there was no way. I believe exactly what the Bible says, that Jesus came, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life and yet he chose to die and in doing so, he became a substitute for you and for me. That he paid the price for me and for you and that if you ask, If you just ask, he'll be a substitute for you too. He'll take the punishment that you and I, we know that we deserve. That you can live a life forgiven of your sins from the past and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that God has for you. So if that's you, you say, you know, today I want to give my life to him. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I need to come back. I need to come back to him. I've been living my own way and doing my own thing and I know better. I need—I just want him to forgive me. I want to come back. I want to be his again. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. And if that's you, at the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up high and then we're going to pray together and we say amen. You can know me a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, I want you to be super bold and shoot that hand up. Get ready. One. Two, three. Right now, shoot up and say, That's me. And today is my day. I'm giving my life to him. I'm giving it back to him. Thank you. All right. Everybody in here, everybody online, would you just pray this out loud with me? Let's just let's just pray this with those that lifted your hands and those that did, as you say these words, make them your own. And let's pray together. All together say, Oh God, forgive me and make me new. I believe you died. You shed your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you.
2: For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.